if you like betting on golf. But everyone that you back misses the cut, get some experts involved. With all the stats and the tips and so much more, cause it's the golf betting system, the golf betting system, it's the golf betting system. Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 158. This is our 2021 Valero Texas Open preview. Paul Williams and Barry O'Hanrahan join me, Steve Bamford, to discuss this week's PG Tour, PGA Tour action even, the week before the Masters. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning, chaps. Morning, guys. Uh, this podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. You can visit begambleaware.org for more information. And of course, please bet responsibly. Visit our world-famous golf betting system website with our in-depth betting previews, masses of tournament statistics, and our predictor model, all available completely free of charge with no paywall. Please subscribe to this podcast and drive the popularity of the show. We are available on social media, on Twitter, Paul is at Golf Betting. I am at Bamford Golf. Barry is at A Good Talk Golf. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Plus, look out for the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. Uh, Pull together the Valera Texas Open uh, video yesterday afternoon, Monday afternoon. So that went out early. That was pre-Dustin Johnson withdrawal, but we'll get into that in a few seconds. Now, you guys as listeners power this podcast, so we need your five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. As ever, for those of you who leave a review, I will read them out at the start of a future show. Leave your name and where you are in the review. And if you're listening on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel and, of course, like the show. Right, number one, great podcast. Five stars, love the content, but please work on the audio quality, especially for each individual. There's always an odd person out who I can never hear, so I have to put the volume up. Then the one person becomes very loud. A very simple detail that goes a long way. It would be greatly appreciated. I think it's normally my mic that's quite low, which is not a bad thing really, but that's from Justice Cipher, and he is in Canada. I think for justice, is we're actually looking at investing in some much better recording equipment, aren't we? Mm, yeah, it's a, it's a fair comment. I've changed my mic here recently, and I think that's equalised it a little bit between the three of us. But uh, it's it's tough because we're clearly doing this remotely, um, and uh, the files that we produce obviously have to be uh, spliced together, and we try, try and make it sound as good as we can. But uh, Steve's right, we're going to try and... Uh, find something more um, suitable, I guess, that, uh, that hopefully will improve the quality. So watch this space. Yeah. But Justice, we hear what you're saying. So uh, thank you for your review. Uh, n- another one here, five stars, absolutely superb. First had a dalliance with golf betting in the late 90s and felt like I wanted to revisit the arena at the turn of 2021. This podcast is now a must-listen each week, along with following both Steve and Paul's selections and staking plan to the letter. Is this man crazy? I'll be following you both off a cliff, he puts in brackets. Both of you are definitely due a massive turn of luck, 
but the effort you both put into everything is unrivaled and is massively appreciated. Great fun too. I really enjoy Barry's input also when he's on. Keep up the fantastic work, and that is from Mike Atkinson, and he is in Great Britain. Thank you, Mike. Yes, thank you, Mike. We must be due a change of luck. Has to go. I mean, that's a good. That's a good. That's that's a good way to bring in uh, last week. Um, let's talk world match play first. You had the foresight, thanks to Barry and Barry's. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Barry's new focus on delivering extra places. You had the foresight to tip up Tommy with boils. So when he made the quarterfinals, you at least got your each way payout. Was it 40 to 1? Yeah, which, um, yeah, more or less for the week covers the week, doesn't it? Um, from, from four selections. But um, yeah, yeah, I, with that strategy, you needed to get a player through to the quarters. And the way you go, you've got your each way money. And um, you hope from there they can hang on and uh, and, and get through to the final and, to, and give you a good run for your money, which, um, which sadly Tommy didn't do, did he? Um, he had a great chance as well. He was he was a couple up, wasn't he, against Horschel in the uh, in the quarterfinals. Um, but yeah, I, we were talking it talking about it just before we came on, and um, there were just some dodgy swings there, Barry, weren't there? Yeah, yeah. But poor decision making. Um, yeah, coming down the stretch in the back nine, and then a poor swing on seventeen. Another one on the playoff hole. You know, you just. You don't want, you don't ever want to give your opponent a hole. And those two, they're basically just giving away a hole with those poor swings. And, you know, he's going to, uh, he's going to be really disappointed in himself for, from pulling those swings out at those, at those particular moments. Um, it, it can only stand to him, you know, uh, learn from it, move on. You know, it was nice to see Tommy, uh, playing well, looking a bit in the flow. So it's kind of, it's it's been there, but not very you know not super consistent for the last while. So yeah, great to see him like that, with an eye forward to the to the Ryder Cup later this year. But you know, it's a good time to be starting to uh, to swing well coming into you know the first major of the year next week. So yeah, yeah. I mean, he'd done the hard work by that point to yeah. to, to top the group with Bryson DeChambeau in there, um, and to beat Bryson, you know, stare him down, from, you know. It, the white of the eyes and, and, and to take him down in a, in a match to win the group and to, to progress holding one the following day you know he, at that point he's um, I forget if he was favourite or second favourite Ron might have still been in, in at that point um, but he had a great chance to win the tournament at that point you know given given how many of the seeds do you say Steve 15 of the 16 top seeds fell in the mm. group stages this week well, we said, didn't we, last week that the average, was it 5 of 16 made it through? And you're thinking, well, that's volatile. 5 of 16 top seeds only made it through. And then this year it was 1, John Rahm. That's just amazing. <coughs> I would, I, I mean, I'm guessing, but you would have thought that the bookmakers made a packet this week. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you have to, I, in hindsight, betting on this is a bloody nightmare. I mean, it was great that the eight places were there to get somebody to the quarters, but... If you look at the the difficulty of just escaping the group, it's not like the top two mm-hmm. of each group go through. So you've got to win it. So you're looking at, what, a minimum of two points and then results to go your way in the other matches for that to even succeed in getting through. Um, it's, it's a tough format to back from the very beginning, which uh, I found to my detriment because the guys I picked did not make it through. 
Um, what are you going to do? Um, it's it's just it's brilliant. It was brilliant to watch. Like really enjoyable watching match play. Um, the course made the made it a lot of fun because it had risk reward opportunities. Um, I I don't know with this trend of the leading contenders not making it through to the latter stages, which is what they really want for TV ratings. The whole idea about this group format was to uh, try and encourage the or maybe massage it so that the, the the better guys get through, give them more matches. The logic would dictate that they get through, and you have the big names in the latter stages. But it seems to be going the other way around, and I wonder is it because uh, the potential for 72 holes on a Saturday and Sunday to go and win the thing, that's going to leave a, you know, a, a, bod, a hangover um, for a few days, I'd say. That's going to leave you pretty tired if you've gone all the way through. Yeah, um, you and, know. It's t- and it's two weeks before the Masters. Yeah, I, I don't know. Well, it's not even two weeks, is it? The final's 11 days before yeah. the Masters. And that, that, could re- that could knock you on your backside for a couple of days, getting back off that, you know, playing intense golf for... And, and and match play as well for uh, seventy two holes. It's um, I don't know. Maybe 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 they tweak the format again. Maybe they go back to just straight straight knockouts. But we know the pros don't love it. But at the same time, match play is tough anyway. So you know maybe it is a case you get in, you win, you get you get moving. Great, but sorry, it's yeah. it's it's not perfect. Like and no matter what way you you decide to design the the format somebody's going to be unhappy with it. So, But at the same time, from a fan's perspective, getting match play, getting to watch match play, it's a nice refreshing change from the the weekly rinse and repeat of 72 hell stroke play. I wish there were more match yeah. play events each year. And I tweeted out last week that what if they made the WGCs all match play? You give them a very unique identity. Mm, yeah, and uh, you know, there's always been yeah, a little murmuring about uh, potentially having one of the majors as a, a match play event as well, which yeah. I, I don't think will ever happen. No, I don't think cl- it will. Clearly, you know, people will discuss it. It's an intensive period, isn't it? Because you go from the WGC Mexico or Florida, as it was this year, um, to the players, to the to the match play. And then, as you said, Steve, mm. you know, less than two weeks later, you're into the Masters. So it's no surprise, really, if you get some of the players who lose their first match in the match play um, just mentally switch off. You know, they can progress, and plenty of players did progress this week who didn't win all three matches. I think there's only two of the two of the sixteen who got through and um, had won three out of three. Um, but it certainly makes your task much harder if you don't uh, prevail on the first day. And uh, you know, some of the guys, uh, Justin Thomas was one who, you know, after after he lost that first round match, and he didn't play badly, he just uh, you know got beaten by an inspired Matt Kuchar, and uh, it just kind of switched off at that point. If you look at that last four, Scotty Scheffler was playing some amazing stuff, yeah, on his, you know, pretty much his hometown track, yeah. Matt Kuchar has been playing absolutely dog-awful. He was in serious danger. Well, he'd already dropped out of the world's top 50. So this was a huge opportunity match play, grind it out to get a bundle of, of, you know, golf, uh, world golf ranking points. In my opinion, you know, I thought Kuchar was the most likely winner in the end, but kind of run out of steam. Horschel had played brilliantly at the World Golf Championships, and he's seeing all of these seeds fall around him. Must have thought, oh, I've got a sneaky chance here of actually grabbing a WGC. And we know Horschel, he's a confidence kind of player, isn't he? We've seen that in FedEx Cups in the past. 
gets the job done. And the other the other semi finalist was Victor Perez, who from a motivational perspective had just got his first top ten in the world in, in America at the players, in a major strength field. He's still in the automatic spots to qualify for the Ryder Cup. And that's clearly a position that's been strengthened no end after finishing um getting to the semis. And was, you know, you, you've got you had four individuals there that had different motivations, but were very, very motivated arriving at that tournament. And the seeds just disappeared. <laughs> you know, and you look at the quarterfinals, Harmon was in there, John Rahm was a top seed, but I think Rahm realised he was playing some fantastic golf. Um, does he really want to burn that all pre-Augusta? And you had Sergio Garcia, who again was playing some outstanding stuff, and he might have just realised he was playing some outstanding stuff. I'm not saying that Sergio turns down a WGC, but I think he just he just ran into a Frenchman that was that Saturday play from Perez mm. was I don't think anyone could get close to him, Robert McIntyre or Sergio. He was just on a different level on the Saturday. But yeah, you know, there's a lot there about motivation, and as Barry was saying, great format, love the format. But wherever you put that WGC, and it, especially in this current position. The Sunday is is it eleven or ten days before the start of the Masters? Let alone the fact that they're going to be at Augusta from Monday. Yeah, this is it. It's about the preparation as well as the mental. Physical it's about that mental physical preparation. Because with 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 you know with respect, if you win the Masters, no no one's worried about the fact that you lost in the first round at the World Match Play two weeks before. Mm-mm. No, I mean it's it's something like that. I mean, Seventy-two holes in the weekend plus the three rounds beforehand. That has to be disruptive to whatever peaking plans you have for Augusta. Uh, I don't I don't care how good you are. Like that's gonna it's gonna just introduce that element of chaos to your game. But look, it it, it is what it is. Um, I really enjoyed watching a lot of it. I didn't watch so much of the final. Um, it was just getting a bit slow, and that's you know, I, I had no. The golf, the quality of golf is. I mean, the other thing that can be discussed is yes, the conditions were getting a little bit windy, but playing that much golf on the weekend, the, the quality or the the level they're playing at is inevitably going to dip a bit. So, look, there's an entertainment factor in that. Um, yeah, I don't. We'll, we'll see what we'll see what happens. I'm never going to complain about having a match play tournament. So, like, we're only nitpicking here at very you know minor details. Uh, you know, one, one thing that worked out great this year was there were so many playoffs to get through. Uh, and that was really cool to watch that on the Friday night. And some of the some of the golf was of the highest quality, the holes in one, some of the approaches on 13, the drivable par four. Mm. Unbelievable stuff. It was I enjoyed it, no end. Is it is is it guaranteed is the deal done that the match play stays in at Austin Country Club? Hmm. Not that I've not that I've heard specifically, but um, I guess but last, you haven't heard otherwise. No, you haven't like heard last year threw a lot of the um, deals out, didn't they? Because you know the ones that would have been ending up finishing last year would have you know been carried over to this year. So renegotiations or extensions or whatever mm. probably um, you know, a little bit further down the line. But uh, it's as, as a course as a setup for match play. That track is perfect, absolutely spot on. There's risk reward everywhere. And it brings a lot of different types of players into the mix. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's there's no there's no bias for length over accuracy over 
long game, short game. There's you know any type of player can perform around that. Oh, absolutely, it's um, it's spot on for that kind of format. I think. I watched Kisner for his first two games in the group, and the guy looked unbeatable. He was absolutely flying, um, Kevin Kisner. Then, yeah, and he doesn't even get out the group. <laughs> Kuchar grinds him out on the last on the Friday. Cooch, jeez. All right, let's not let's not waste time on Cooch. Nobody wants to hear about Cooch. Uh, let me just quickly run through what's happened in terms of uh, the Ryder Cup. We've got automatic spots for America, DJ, Bryson, JT, Brooks, Colin and Xander. No change there. Um, Billy Ho jumps to 11. So um, Billy Ho is becoming a factor in terms of a potential captain's pick. Although we have seen players that have won the uh, match play not picked in the past, but you know, we keep saying probably, you know, un- highly, highly unlikely we get Woods or Mickelson in the team, uh, American team this year. From a European perspective, Fleetwood, Hatton, Ram, McElroy, Westwood, Victor Perez has strengthened his position no end. Paul Casey, Victor Hovland, and Matthew Fitzpatrick. Right, so that's the world match play. I was dealing with the Corrales Punta Cana Championship. I can't say I ever felt at any time that I had the winner, but um, I had Sepp Stracker, and Sepp Stracker bogeyed the first two holes on Thursday, so I was already screaming blue murder at Sepp Stracker. But then he righted the ship, got to level par, then he shot two great rounds on... Uh, Friday and Saturday to get into, uh, I think it was tied for fifth, something like that, going into Sunday. Um, and then I had Bryce Garnett as well. Garnett had a really good closing round and got towards the fringes of potentially getting me an each way spot. Um, I know that the back, the last four holes coming back all weeks, it was gusting up to 25, 30 miles an hour all tournament. Definitely a win statistic tournament for players uh, and their strengths in the win. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I looked, uh, I kept my eye on it clearly. And at one stage, I think it was on 12 or 13, Stracker, I looked at the leaderboard. He was three shots clear of the, um, three shots clear in terms of getting me a full each way at 40 to 1. Yeah, we're in with a chance of winning at that point, realistically, with a, with a flying kind hands. of. Yeah, potentially. If he if he'd have played, if he'd have done like a Sam Ryder, I think Ryder played the last four, five, one under par. Yeah. Um, but in my mind, you think you know, Sep, with the best will in the world, he's unlikely to win this. You know, and that's good because I think if he does think he's going to win it, he will collapse. Um, and he just collapsed anyway. <laughs> Three bogeys in the last five. I end up with absolutely zilch for the week with two players finishing ninth. Thanks very much. It's just the, the the margins in this golf betting are so fine. It's yeah, unbelievable. It's frustrating, isn't it? Because yeah, they both finish in the places by what well, one one shot better for the pair of them, yeah. and uh, you clear a decent profit for the wing. And I know I know Joel Damon had shown a little bit at the players. He was in the top twenty five for strokes gained tee to green, but his form into that was miscut, 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 sixty, miscut, 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 two two. And he was 50 to 1. Do you want to hear my fail of the week? I looked at Damon. I went, ooh, look, his three results of this event, 11th, 12th, 13th or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I went, oh, God. Okay, yeah, but like, 
look at his co- incoming form. It's got a complete disaster. Yeah. I texted. And then you look at his price. I know. And it's, you know, if it's 100 oh, to 1, you're like, yeah. yeah, I'll have a bit of Joel Exactly. Dane, 50 to 1, he was 40 to 1 with most I, I went and looked at him again, tried to convince myself, and I couldn't just, I couldn't pull it. I don't know why I didn't pull the trigger, just throw a few euro on it just for, just to satiate the, the you know, the, the little niggling uh, thoughts in my head. I didn't, and uh, I even messaged some friends. I was like, "Look at this!" Like I saw Damon up you know, up the leaderboard too late at that stage, and I said, "Look at this!" Like incoming form, absolute garbage. Good event form. I mean, all it takes is the stroke. It's just it, we're right back to strokes gained, mental space. What works for you? And this tournament clearly does for him. And these guys are like that one little trigger away from finding it and winning. And it's. Like it's awesome. Damon's brilliant. Like uh, so, you know, it's awesome that he won. Just disappointing that I didn't convince myself to to just follow my gut yeah. instinct. Um, it's very easy to outthink it. Uh, and you know, we were talking about FedEx Cup positions, weren't we, last week? And there was some sweet spots. He was one twenty sixth. So again, another one that wins the Corrales or wins the week. What I looked at also Puerto Rico because that used to be in this spot. This that happens a lot. Players around this 110, 115, 120 kind of area that are clearly playing for their cards. He's coming there motivated. His stats weren't that bad actually. Stats some of the key stats like um, mid irons we were talking about one seven five to two hundred. He he ranked in that. He was also very good from two fifty and out with those approaches with his um, with his kind of metals off the off the fairway. So yeah, there was a lot to like about him. Yeah, apart, apart from, from the fact, fact you, you look at his, his raw Yeah, you look at his raw results and yeah. it's a string of miscuts and the best is sixtieth in his last what, half half dozen or so uh, outings. It's it's a tough one to pick, but uh, mm. plenty of people did say so well done if you uh, you managed to get on him this or last week. It's a good celebration as well. You can see what a you can, like, kind of. Oh, he's a popular guy. Isn't very he? similar to the the emotion of like the Max Homa win in Riviera. Like you can see how big a deal it is, and uh, yeah, it's great. He's he seems like such a likable character. Like with the the videos uh, he's been <laughs> he's featured in recently. Um, yeah. Good on him. Good on him. So moving on, what like. <laughs> What, are we going to Texas, or do you have any final thoughts on the Corrales? GMAC went well. No, let's go. Let's go. Let's let's go to Texas, shall we? Let's get it out of the way. I'll give a shout out to GMAC. It's want, nice to we see. We don't it. want a long rambling podcast the week before the Masters, do we? We just need to get to the Masters, I think. Now, I was just going to highlight a few things at the very top of this. Well, I won't talk about the tournament. I won't talk about um, the course just yet. We'll, we'll move to that. But you know. Trends, yeah, and well, what's happened? If you look at these, um, if you look at these uh, Masters curtain raisers in the past, and I'm including Carlos Ortiz in this one because clearly he won in Houston the week before the Masters in November. Seven of the past eight winners of the Masters warm up event weren't already in the field for the Masters. So seven of the past eight. I think the one before that was Hunter Mayhan. That's when Hunter Mayhan wasn't 2000 to, 2000 to one to win the Valero Texas Open, which he is this week. So seven of the past eight winners of the Masters weren't in the Masters field. 
The exception to that was J.B. Holmes in 2015, who was ranked 20th in the world and came into Houston off off of two runner-up finishes in his previous 2015 outing. So he was playing some outstanding stuff. I remember him finishing second in the WGC. I think it was at Doral in 2015. And clearly turned up in Houston and said, hmm, I don't mind if I take a PGA Tour victory because I don't get many. Yeah, he was playing some and good stuff that off him. 28 to 1 he won. Okay. Also, some of the winning prices. Bear in mind, we're not talking about the Valero Texas Open here. We're talking about the curtain raiser. So a lot of these were what they used to call the Shell Houston Open. Um, Laird, 100 to 1. Matt Jones, 125 to 1. I remember that so well. That was the that was the win he had in Houston with Matt Kuchar hitting it in the water on 18. Mm. What did what did what did Kuchar shout out that was caught on TV? Oh golly gosh, or something like that. Yeah, it was something like, <laughs> oh golly, as he's hitting it in the water. And Matt Jones is winning. Um Jim Herman 400 to 1. Oh, that's right. Oh, golly! And it's just heading left into the water. Uh, Jim Herman, four hundred to one in Poulter. Poulter's interesting. He was a hundred, which is it's it's quite crazy, really. He was a hundred to one to win the Houston Open, coming off a quarter final appearance the week before at the World Match Play. Bear in mind, Poulter had to still he had one chance to get to the Masters, and that was to win in Houston, and he did at a hundred to one. Corey Connors won this in 2019 because clearly it wasn't played in 2020. He won at 200 to 1. He was a Monday qualifier. <laughs> Great. And Carlos Ortiz was 160 to 1 when he went head to head with Dustin Johnson in November and beat him at Memorial Park in Houston. And didn't get into so the Masters, did he? And didn't get into the Masters. Yeah, because back then the field was locked, wasn't it, for November. Now, that isn't the case this week. If you win the Valero Texas Open and you're not already qualified, you jump straight in a private jet, I expect, and get yourself up to Georgia. So there's a big, big carrot swinging this week. Um, I didn't think the field was too bad, actually. Um, It's it's not so good that Dustin Johnson decided late on Friday to enter the tournament because he's not playing very well. And then decided on Monday, actually, I don't want to. I'm going to stay at home and practice. So that's caused a lot of work for everybody concerned, including the bookmakers. I know that not many listeners will uh, feel. But actually, it kind of destroys the betting market as well. Which is, And we're seeing this a lot now, aren't we? we you know, we've, we've been moaning about this in 2021. How many of these smaller tournaments have seen the marquee name withdraw on the Monday? I, I can remember Patrick Reed. There was another one as well, wasn't there? Yeah, there's been a few, and it, it as you say, it, it does it, it completely rewrites the market, doesn't it? And if you haven't got your bets on on a Monday before this happens, then it's got a completely different. Yeah, the complexion's completely different by the time you look at it on a Tuesday. So, what, what was DJ seven to one in that kind of bracket yesterday? It was, you know, it's taken it a, taken a big chunk of the market, and um, with him gone, it's uh, it's just meant a sea of blue for the uh, for the kind of nearest challenges well I know for a fact I got Jordan Spieth at 16 to 1 he is now pretty much the favourite everywhere or joint favourite with Fino in a couple of spots he's now 10 to 1 um, Tony Finau with Unibet 
is the 10 to 1 favourite. He, I was seeing him at 18 to 1 yesterday. So, you know, some of these guys' prices are, uh, are basically being halved with DJ's withdrawal. Um, let's talk about the course, shall we? The Oaks course, TPC San Antonio in Texas. It's a Greg Norman 2009 design. I actually, I noted this week that it was a co-design with Pete Dye. There's so many Pete Dye. Anyway, I always classify this as a Norman track. Uh, if you're looking for other Greg Norman tracks, think Mayakoba Golf Classic, where they play at El Chameleon every uh, November, or late uh, late in the fall. And if you're a European tour um, follower, or you like to link European tour courses just as well, he also, of course, designed the Earth Course, didn't he, Paul? Yep. Where they play the DP World Tour Championship. Yep. Uh, European to a closer every single year. Yeah, so there's plenty of uh, course history on that uh, that track, um, albeit a, a, a long desert track, so not directly comparable in terms of style. But uh, but yeah, definitely a Norman track, as you say. It's a par 72. It's been lengthened since 2019 as well. It's now 7,494 yards, so it's not a short track. Uh, holes with water hazards too. So you can see why Tony Fee now, T4 playing this week. There's barely any water hazards, so that'll suit him. The fairways are Bermuda grass, Ryan Fescue. The rough is Bermuda grass. I think it's overseeded as well, two inches. The green, 6,400 square feet on average. So pretty chunky. Um, they feature champion Bermuda grass. I'll say that again, Bermuda grass rather than Bermuda. Champion Bermuda grass. They are overseeded. Uh, they are overseeded with Poa Trivialis. Uh, just out of memory. Think PGA West. They play in January. That's definitely a Bermuda grass overseeded with Poa Trivialis. These used to also feature bent grass, but the bent, bent grass seems to have disappeared this year. These greens would have been very similar as well to the greens that we saw at Phoenix in February. So there might be something in that. I always had this as a brute of a track. Um, I remember scoring with Kevin Chappell. It's always windier. It's Texas. Uh, we're expecting 15 to 20 mile, uh, I think it's about 10 to 15 throughout this week. So um shouldn't be too bad from a wind perspective, but there is a nagging wind there. Um, there was yesterday, uh, bearing in mind the forecast I was looking at, there was potential, I'm, I'm bringing it up now as I'm speaking, there was the potential for a um, a Thursday bias on tea times. Um, it looked like that Thursday morning was going to be far harder than Thursday afternoon. And looking at Windfinder for San Antonio International Airport, which is only a couple of miles away from the course, we're still seeing that. I mean, when, when the early starts, it's gusting 30. Uh, and even middle of the morning, 10, it's gusting 25 miles an hour. Thursday afternoon calms right down to 10 to 12 mile an hour. So I've put my hands together. I'm looking at the sky and I'm praying that some of my players actually get in the PM. PM, uh, PM AM split. Um. 
I will say Friday looks like it's potentially easier in the morning than the afternoon. So it might not be a huge difference. But from what I'm seeing, I think you definitely want a PM, AM start time if this forecast comes to fruition. Clearly, when you're putting your tips out there on a Monday, um, you can't really build that into it. But if you haven't placed your bets yet, keep your eye on that forecast. It might be worth keeping an eye on, especially as also for DraftKings plays. Um, yeah, I always had this down as a really tough golf course. But then the last couple of renewals, we've seen 17 under Andrew Landry. And we've seen 20 under Corey Connors win this. Uh, prior to that, Kevin Chappell won at 12 under, straight off a top 10 at the Masters. We were on board at 33 to 1. And prior to that, TPC San Antonio horse whisperer Charlie Hoffman also won at 12 under. So looking at the wind, looking at that, I, again, I think mid-score. Uh, um, it looks to me as if there hasn't been a lot of rain in the area, so I think we could see some firm fairways. Um, but with the PGA Tour stance, they don't tend to do it in Florida, but a lot of these courses now, they just get the hoses out, don't they, make sure that the greens are nice and receptive. Well, yeah, if there's a lot of wind forecast, then they, they don't want to run the risk of any suspensions because of the yeah. wind, but it, it doesn't If they're seeing bad, a forecast so. for... If they're seeing a forecast for 30 mile an hour gusts as the tournament tees off Thursday morning, they're not going to make it firm and fast, are they? Um, winning prices of this. Connors 200 to 1. Landry 200 to 1. Chappell was 33s. Hoffman was 30s. Jimmy Walker. Jimmy Walker had won that year in 2015. I think he'd won the Sony Open. He then came here and won this in a very, very windy affair. I remember that. It was a pretty brutish renewal, that one. He uh, won at 11 under par, and he beat Jordan Spieth in the second place. And then there's some weird and wacky stuff from Baldich in 2014 at 350 to 1. Laird, 100 to 1. Curtis, 150 to 1. Brendan Steele, another good course record, 300 to 1. Adam Scott won the first ever PGA Tour tournament here. I'm trying to remember. I think that was the third of his Texas swing um, Grand Slam. He won at 25-1. to 1. He then won at Colonial to get the Texas Grand Slam a few years later. Average it all through. Average winning price here is about 140-1. to 1. But yes, you, you seem to get these outliers at 200, 150, or shorter ones, 25s to 33s. Golf betting's difficult every week, especially uh, especially in twenty twenty one for me. But they're they're a funny tournament. These ones before the warmer. Now we had a guy a few weeks ago, didn't we? Who said it would be great if actually you could also say who your lay of the week was. They're <laughs> dangerous, but yeah, go for it. Well, I'm looking at the top of the market, and I'm looking at Jordan Spieth. And in my mind, Jordan Spieth um, is clearly a serious factor for Augusta next week. But when you look at Jordan Spieth's record of when Jordan Spieth was Jordan Spieth, he always played the week before the Masters in Texas because he likes to play all the Texas events, and he always went for the win. There's seconds, there's thirds, there's everything. He wants to hit Augusta at the peak of his form. 
And that's why I've selected him. Because he hasn't won for three and three quarter years. <laughs> Do you think he's sitting there going, oh, I'm going to just use this as a warm-up because I really want to win at Augusta next week? I think he just wants to get himself a PGA Tour victory because he hasn't had one for three and three quarter years. No, and this, this course suits him. The field is weak. And I watched a lot of him at the match play. I was very, very impressed with just how the how the driver was a lot straighter. It was actually um, a, a, a real weapon on a lot of the holes. He was driving it really well. His approach play has been lights out since, what, going back to Phoenix and Pebble Beach? Um, I think he's really going to go for it this week. So I'm... T- I'm uh, I'm I'm tipping speed, so we've got to that point. But lay of the week for me would be Scotty Scheffler. After what he went through last week, the effort and everything. Mm-hmm. If there was a guy in that top five, answers trying to find form for the Masters. Hideki's trying to just find some form. Full stop. Finau again, he'll be tr- be trying to find because he you know he's struggling at the moment. Finau, they'll be trying to find something used this week. Uh, and if that means contending and getting towards top of leaderboards, they'll they'll do their utmost to do that. Scotty, he had the week of his life last year at his own golf course. I, I just I see a letdown for Scotty Scheffler this week. So that would be of of my top guys, he'd be the one I'd be laying. That was a tough old weekend for him, wasn't it? And to Barry's point, you know, if you're playing best part of seventy two holes over two days, and and, and preparing them for the Masters in a, in ten days' time, that's that's one thing. To come straight into another event and to potentially contend from the outset is um, is a tough ask, you know. And he's, he's, he's a is a is a fit young man. I'm sure I'm sure physically he can do it, but um, the mental aspects of match play, um, you know, it shouldn't be taken for granted. I don't think. Um, interesting to see how it goes, but yeah, he wouldn't be carrying any of my money this week. What's what's no. the story with Hideki? His pro- like. He's not doing much at all, and his price just is immovable. They, they just the bookies Hideki, will not let him drift out. Hideki, um, he always pops models, doesn't he? Statistically, but then I don't think he does anymore because he's not even pulling any kind of performances together. No, I mean he's a, f- a few. You see top, what I'm saying? I mean, last, even last year. You know, for, for all of our American friends who, who like their like their models, Matsuama every week. You know, he, he was 2019, 2020, popping models because the game was still in a great state. He's just he, he wasn't putting it all together for seventy two holes. Um, at the moment, there's 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 not a lot to like. Full stop. You know, one week the putter's okay, and then the approach plays terrible. When he sorts the approach play out, all of a sudden he's you know he's, he's driving it forty five degrees left and right, missing it anyway off the tee. He's in a lot, but yeah, they're not they don't lengthen his odds, do they? Untouchable. It's amazing. I mean, his last win is twenty seventeen. I'm just reading WGC. I'm yeah. reading it quickly. Here. Yeah, I mean, no, you're right. I think he won one of those hit and giggles uh, tigers thing. Yeah, in between. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, PJ two victory. Yeah, proper proper. No, it doesn't. Um, yeah, it's like an invitation. Yeah, an invitation. I mean, who backs Hideki at twenty to one here? He, of course, now that I've said it, he's going to go on and win. I've, you know, but it's uh, it's just an interesting one to see. Like, when when do they let his price slide? Are they that terrified? Is there that much money going on him? 
you know, you, you could certainly build a case for Abraham Answer. Fact of the matter is, he's never won on the PJ Tour. If you want to take 22 to 1 best price, that's, yeah, 18 to 1, eight places each way. Um, the trouble with answer is it's whether the putter turns up. But, you know, that's the way he is. And you've got the defending champion, Corey Connors, at 25 to 1. First time he's ever defended a PGA Tour title. Been playing some outstanding stuff. The only thing I will say is in Connors, and, and Landry's a kind of an outlier, isn't he? 200 to 1 Landry won out. Not long off the tee. But when Landry's on it, he can be very straight off the tee. So he can gain strokes off the tee, but it's not through distance. It tends to be through accuracy. But what the thing with Landry is a fantastic iron player when he's on. And he'd um, the week before uh, winning this, they played Harbour Town, and he had been 12th after 54 holes, and he'd been 8th for strokes gained approach and 6th that week for greens in regulation. And that's kind of the way I'm looking at it. I'm wanting people that last week or the players were absolutely on it from a strokes gained approach and from a greens in regulation perspective. Because this golf course, I think, really mainly about your approach play and about those mid to long irons. It's a pretty similar assignment to what we saw at Corrales last week from a statistical perspective. Now, it's a long 7,600 yard par 72. So you're getting very similar approaches. They used to have a drivable par four here as well. I think it was 300 and some odd yards. That's the, that's the, that's the actual hole that's been extended. So they've added. Uh, seventy odd yards. It was a, it used the fifth. It used to be a three hundred and forty two par four. It's now four hundred yard par four. So they basically, unless you're Bryson DeChambeau, taken driving the green out of the equation. Yeah, why they, why they, would you? They, they may right. They, they they may keep it back for uh, Saturday or something and, and, and yeah. move the tee up yeah. to where it was before for to give them a bit of a bit of a chance and having a shot at the green. So top of my card is Jordan. I just I just think Jordan is ripe for a win and it would be so sweet for for Texan Jordan Spieth to win after three and three quarter years at San Antonio in his home state. And I think if is there I don't know if there's a crowd there this week. I mean they're just gonna be they're gonna be all for Jordan this week. And I and I genuinely think, especially at sixteen to one, I didn't think it was a totally disastrous price. When DJ was in the field, um, he will be wanting to play his very, very best golf this week to get to Augusta in the right frame of mind. He was actually sixteen to one longer price to win this than he was or is to win the Masters next week. <laughs> it just makes sense to me. Now going to the other end of my card, you highlighted this to me, Paul. So thank you for doing that. I had to have a bit, and you were telling me such a funny story off mic. It's unbelievable. I, I've I've had to back Graham McDowell, and Graham McDowell last week was absolutely backed to yeah. He just he found his game, didn't he? And he said in an interview, "You when you're playing awful golf, the Florida swing is a nightmare because the courses are horrible, horribly tough." The courses are firm. They're releasing. The wind's blowing. It's a disaster to find any kind of form in Florida. Bear in mind he lives in Orlando, clearly. He said, I've come here with respect. The golf course is easier. The wind's still blowing, but it's wider. It's softer. And I've been able to recapture my game. And that came through in his stats last week. I thought that his play 
was was very very strong, and he got to um, he got to the top of the leaderboard and hung about, didn't he? He was seventh last week for greens and regulation. Yep. Clearly, there was no strokes gained data, but you just know for a fact that his strokes gained data would have been very very good on approach and putting. Yeah, it was so, sixth for putting average as well. So um, yeah, it, it, the stats were quite primitive, you know, last week as uh, as you'd expect. But uh, yeah, you know, from a string of missed cuts prior to that, it was a very strong resurgence, and it was interesting reading that that quote that you put into your preview because it does imply that he's, you know, you kind of found something within his game, and uh, he could progress from here. He was tenth for total accuracy. That's the sum of driving accuracy in greens in red. He was 5th for greens in reg, 12th for ball striking, and 6th for putts per GIR. And when you look at this as well, um, um, courses that can correlate to here. I'm just looking at the winners and where they played well before they've won and after they've won. Um, Corey Connors, for example, he's had a third place finish at Wireline, the Sony Open. Well, McDowell's finished 4th there. If you remember a few weeks ago, Corey Connors was right in the mix at Bay Hill. Well, Graham McDowell's got a fantastic record at Bay Hill. Um, there's also a lot of corresponding form across Colonial in Texas. Um, a lot of the guys, Chapel, Connors had had a top six there before winning here. Charlie Hoffman's had top tens at Colonial, so's Jimmy Walker. So you can see why I like Spieth, because Colonial's clearly one of his favourite tracks on the whole thing. So there's a lot. And, and Spieth, of course, was right in the mix again this year at Bay Hill. So there's courses here that can translate very, very nicely to Graham McDowell. There's another one as well, Andrew Landry. Andrew Landry has got a very good record at Sea Island, where they play the RSM Classic. Now, as we know, Graham McDowell has also played very, very well at the RSM Classic. I think he's had a third there in the past. Uh, that Kevin Chappell has finished runner-up. He finished runner-up at the RSM Classic, the year that Kevin Kisner won his first PGA Tour title at Sea Island. So there's quite a lot of crossover between where G-Max played well in the States and where winners of this have played well in the, in the States. And last time they played this in 2019, G-Max won at Corrales, jumped straight on the private jet, got to, uh, got to San Antonio and finished seventh here on this golf course. So I just thought price... You managed to get 200 to 1 on him with the Unibet, so well done to you. I managed to get on at 160s. That price correlates quite well, doesn't it, with this Poulter and Connors 200 to 1, Ortiz 160 to 1. So, yeah, I'm, I'm on GMAT this week. Yeah, as, well, yeah, as I was saying, to you, the danger, of course, with me not having a European Tour event is I'm sitting there watching the odds for the PGA Tour event and um, with an itchy trigger finger. So, I... I'd had uh, McDowell in my mind for this after seeing how he performed last week, and and you know for all the reasons you've just said, he's you know he's also got to be highly motivated, hasn't he? Because he's uh, what is he sitting fifteenth, I think, in the Ryder Cup standings at the moment, and uh, if he's gonna gonna find a way to get into that team, first of all, he's got to get himself into some of these bigger events for the rest of this year, and and clearly then progress through and uh, and and yeah. get the results that he needs to get himself into into Paddy Harrington's team, but. I, he played mind. in November. Yeah. He played in November, but he's not in this field. He's not no, in the no, Masters no. this year. And don't no, forget, no. I mean, this is a guy. He won Mike Ober in 2015. He won Corrales last uh, 2019, and he won the Saudi International, which was loaded with very, um, very strong PGA Tour field or PGA Tour elite field, wasn't it? In Saudi last year, so he can close and get the job done. Absolutely. Four PGA Tour victories, 
including that US Open and 10 European Tour titles. In this field, McDowell's a closer, undoubtedly. No, no. I, I, in my mind, I, you know, I thought, well, if I see a three-figure price about McDowell, then I'll take it. So so when Bet365 came up first as the first bookie, as they usually do, 110 to 1, I thought, well, great, I'll take that. So I backed him at 110. Paddy Power Betfair came up at 125 with eight places. So I thought, well, you know, be be churlish not to take that price with the extra each way <laughs> extra each way places as well. So feeling quite happy about the situation at that point. And then Unibet came up at 200 to one, and I thought, well, what can you do? I, I I can't I can't not take 200 to one when I've kind of made this assertion about where I think his price should be. So yeah, I've got got half the house on it this week. Oh, <laughs> living in a mansion <laughs> next week for watching the Masters ball. <laughs> oh, Lord's sake. This uh, is going to go so, so wrong. But yeah, no, so yeah, that, that folks, that's not the way to bet, of course. But, um, but yes, he um, he will do me a good a, a favour if he, uh, he plays well this week. It's crossing everything. The other, the other one I've taken at triple digits, although he's not triple digits anymore, and Barry and I have been talking about this chap, and I, I, I've got a soft spot for him. I just like him anyway because he's a he's a Twitter king and he's he's cool, he's everything. Wouldn't it be great to see Harry Higgs win this week? So I'm on a point each way, hundred to one. I managed to get before the DJ withdrawal, eight place each way with Betfred. And the fact of the matter is, you look at his approach play over the last eight to ten weeks. All of his outings, he's positive on approach. Fantastic iron play. And that could unlock this course this week. Um, I'm seeing him in, I think it's, is it uh, fifth or fourth place for strokes gained on approach across my eight-week trackers? He's making some putts, 29th at the players, and 19th last time out of the Honda Classic. He lives in Dallas, Texas. He went to Southern Methodist University in Dallas. Um, played for the SMU Mustangs. Clearly, understands Lone Star State Golf. I expect he's played here in the past. On the Corn Ferry um, Tour, the year he got promoted, he was also ninth, just down the road at another golf course that they played on the Corn Ferry Tour in San Antonio. So, yeah, Harry Higgs. Yeah. I like about I, I like a bit of Harry Higgs about me this week. He's been a popular pick, hasn't he? As you say, not just the DJ with Jewel. He's, um, I've seen a few people put him up as well. Um during the day yesterday and uh, I've backed him I've, you backed him as well Barry yeah yeah we're in we're in I'll be wearing all my shirts with the most buttons or my polos with the most buttons fully open <laughs> we said that Joel Damon's win was popular and quite rightly so if Harry Higgs was to win this week Twitter would just go into meltdown I think yeah, yeah absolutely bring it on absolutely but yeah the price was nice as well and I, it, what was he second at the Safeway there's a, you know you talked about some of the correlating um, results between winners here and um, other tracks, and the Safeway Open's another one historically that's got some uh, some good crossover between the players. That yeah, it is. Um, and he was second there last year, so you know there's there's some, some a lot of positives to take out of his game. And you know if you you map his game style um, with uh, Corey Connors, then there's uh, again there's a lot of correlation there. Stephen Bowditch has finished second at Silverado in the past Safeway Open. Martin Laird's finished third there, and Andrew Landry's had a top seven at Silverado over in um, California. And Harry Higgs, as we know, I was on board at 110 to 1, and people say I'm an absolute rubbish tipster and this, that, and the other. 
But I came within a couple of strokes of winning uh, 110 to 1, the, the Safeway, on Higgs. And he got pipped by some round, round, you know, crazy good round from Stuart Sink. It's fine margins, isn't it? But Higgs, I, th- I, think, he's, I think he's in a good spot this week. I really do. Decent, again, triple-digit price point, which goes kind of where we might be looking for a winner this week. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm yeah. happy with that. Yeah. I then went for two middle of the road. I mean, I can't... I can't even ignore the fact. Um, I said last week, Charlie Hoffman at 18-1 to 1 favourite at the Corrales Championship is a, uh, uh, not going to happen. Charlie Hoffman then throwing a quad in on the 18th hole on Sunday and protecting his prize for this week <laughs> was the only silver lining for me in an evening of complete and utter despair with Sepp Stracker and Bryce Garnett. So... 30 to 1, eight places each way I managed to get a 50 odds with Betfair Sportsbook on Charlie Hoffmeister, Hoffmeister Hoffman, who I think, I mean, he's, he's just record here. It doesn't need any. Yeah. 13th, 4th, 13th, 3rd, 11th, 11th, 1st, and 2nd. Playing some nice stuff in here. 14th at Sony, 7th at the AT&T Pebble Beach, 10th at the Arnold Palmer, 17th at the Players. If he'd have finished, don't forget, he, fin- he started last Sunday in 7th spot. And I reckon you'd have got close to 22 to 1, maybe, if he'd have finished second or third last week. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, with his course record. If there's one player who can do a kind of Russell Henley of a few years ago and be the course horse and get to Augusta... We know how Charlie loves Augusta National. First round leader has contended there in the past. He'll be really, really motivated to go well this week. So... I couldn't resist Charlie Hoffman, 30 to 1 with Betfair Sportsbook on the eight places. The other one, never I never call him right. But again, been playing some nice stuff. He, he was very, very strong from tee to green at the players a few weeks ago. Finished ninth. He was second for strokes gained on approach. Tick. Ninth for strokes gained tee to green. And he was seventh for greens in regulation. Those numbers remind me kind of Andrew Landrewish and this kind of stuff from previous winners and what they've done on and out in before. He wasn't a disaster at the match play. He was under par for all three of his matches, but just got beaten. He drew with um, he drew with your man Fleetwood actually in round one. Yeah, did you? In, on the on the Wednesday. Um, he shot a sixty six under sixty six to lead here day one in twenty nineteen. The the last time they played here where Corey Connors won. He eventually finished fourth. He just comes to town on Bermuda Grass Greens, doesn't he? I know that he's in the Masters field. Does Siwoo think to himself, well, actually, I'm going to win the Masters? Or does he think, well, actually, I'm coming to... I really like TPC San Antonio. I've just dropped out of the world's top 50 again. I'm not in the US Open. I'm not in the Open Championship fielders yet. I need to keep producing some decent results. I think he, he could cope quite well this week. Q miscut. <laughs> but yeah, Siwoo Kim was the other one. He just ticks too many boxes for me of that approach play. Played really nicely at the players. I could see him potentially getting into the mix. So I am on Spieth, Hoffman, Siwoo Kim, Harry, oh, Go Harry Higgs and Graham G. Mac McDowell. Those are my five this week. Over to you two. I know, well, clearly, we know you're on G, Matt, Paul. 
Yeah, G Mac and Higgs. Um, the other one I've backed is I've gone back in on Sam Ryder um, at ninety to one. Uh, they don't seem to cut his price, do they, Ryder? No, no. And it, what, I mean, he, he was thirty-three. He was thirty-three to one last week. Yeah, uh, Corrales finished second. Yeah, which so in that field was a good price. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, 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 he's playing some. He's playing some really tidy stuff. I think eighth no, and second over his last two starts. Um, I think, well, I think that's now up to ten top ten finishes on the PGA Tour. So he's clearly getting closer to um, to getting yeah. over the line, and he can win. I, you go back to his Corn Ferry Tour win back in twenty seventeen at the Pinnacle Bank Championship. He won by eight clear shots. So clearly very capable, and uh, he's got the kind of strong iron play game that you'd expect to perform well around here. Sixteenth proximity for the season to date. Um, tenth for strokes gained approach at Honda on his penultimate start. Eighth for tees, uh, stroke gained tee to green in that event as well. Uh, there were no strokes gained numbers last week at uh, Corrales, but no. ninth for driving actually. Twelfth for GIR. Seventh for putting is a good, strong, all-round performance. And a couple of spins here. Thirty-sixth and forty-second. So nothing massive, but slow starts both times. Started with seventy-three both times, and he's been starting much quicker recently. He's clearly a better, more accomplished player nowadays. And um, yeah, ninety to one, eight places I've got him with, so I'm quite happy to take that as a as, as a punt for the week. And he's playing some decent stuff, Sam. But yeah, they're the only three that I've backed at this point. And given the market's kind of been decimated, it's probably where I'll stop. I expect. Um, first round leader, I won't make a decision on that until we've seen how this um, weather forecast looks like it's panning out. Yeah. So Wednesday morning call for that one. So um, check my Twitter on Wednesday if you fancy a first round leader punt. If that's blowing up to 25, 30 miles an hour for the early morning starters, mm. and then it's calming down to 12 to 15 in the yeah. afternoon, that's going to be some hideous bias to the afternoon yeah, start. Yeah, for, for, for first round leader punts, you'd have to So I expect start. all five of mine start in the morning. <laughs> uh, we'll see what the draw holds later today. What about you, Barry? Uh, you've been cogitating, you've been formulating your plan. Let the listeners know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Who's the winner this week? Harry Higgs. Um, I've added a couple more. Uh, Harold Varner and Keegan Bradley. Mm, yeah, I thought about Bradley myself, mm. actually. You had a go at me the other week, because so I put Keegan Bradley up, and you said, oh, he always falters, Steve. He's terrible. Yeah, it's I know. When the white of the eyes, he collapses. And then you you jump on him the week after. Well, see, which is probably a wise move. part of my strategy to destroy your credibility, Steve. Um, <laughs> well, I can do that myself. The, Don't worry about that. He's playing... He's playing beautifully, he's playing no doubt about it. very yep. good golf. And it's, yep. I mean... We'll see what happens. I mean, I can't, you can't ignore that he's he's doing a lot of things very well, and it's just yep. a little bit of finessing to 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 get to those um, those upper echelons of the leaderboard. So he won his first ever PGA Tour victory in Texas, the Byron Nelson Classic. Did you know that? I I have it. In my, I had it in my head that Texas and Bradley kind of go reasonably okay mm-hmm. together uh, for his performance yeah. there. So I didn't have it to that yeah. specific level, unfortunately. He won that in 2011 and then went on to win the mm, the PGA Championship in 2011. Mm. Varner as well. I must say, Varner's statistics, strokes gained, are absolutely fantastic. Mm. On approach. So I can see why you've gone for him as well. 
Didn't he? Have, I think he's got top tenner as well. I think the first time he played for, it. Yeah, four years ago. Yeah, or the four, four, four events ago. 2016, so five now. Um, yeah, so that's me. Kind of They're both just, the kind of names that you, I would expect to see. If they get the right side of the first round draw, they're the kind of names that um, could, could well get out of the traps quite quickly. They're both regular first round performers. So first round movers, yeah. Yeah, interesting to see where how they how they fall on the on the draw when it comes out later this evening. But so they they could so be, they they could potentially be two to follow in the first round. Yeah, league. Also, I mean, Brad Bradley's been starting brilliantly recently, yeah, hasn't he? Yeah. He often does. He often does, and so does Varna. You know, Varna's one of these that uh, pops up with a first-round leader win every well, far more frequently than his price would suggest. Usually, we have got five minutes. It would be remiss of us not to take any kind of findings from last week, or visuals, or whatever kind of feedback we got from the match play, and actually quickly. I mean, clearly, let me just point out to listeners. We did our in-depth Masters research preview podcast last fr- uh, Thursday. It's gone down hugely well. Um, it's there to listen to. It's the previous episode to this. Um, we've got just, you know, it's, it's over an hour of Masters chat. Um, we're now getting some markets starting to solidify. I mean, Sky have gone 11 places each way as of yesterday. Is there anything... Brewing in your mind, Barry or Paul, or anything to add about something that's clearer for next week in terms of your betting strategy or players that you really don't fancy for next week? I mean, I've got to say, after what's happened at the match play, what we've seen recently, what we know of history, and what's happened over the last 24 hours to Dustin Johnson, that doesn't fill me in any way, shape, or form. You know, confidence that DJ will win the Masters this year. No, feels just maybe this week he finds it again. When taking the week off, you know, just get to the range, work out what's going on. I, 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 I don't know. Sergio kind of popped in my head a bit more for the Masters. You know, if you if you look at the the top 10, 12 in the market, there's a couple that maybe that's stand out for me. Uh, Personally, like Ram looks like very solid uh, for for the Masters, mm. the, but there's the big question mark over the um, the birth of the baby. Uh, the baby's supposed to arrive that weekend, and he said, "I'm out. You know, I'm gone." Which is look fine. You know, some punters are not going to take that so well if he does if he's in the lead and he and he bails. But like, what can you do? It's uh, it's the birth of his first child. So Ram can't in my head for a long time for this. Um, yeah, she was it himself and Harmon were something like eight under for their rounds each last week in wow. their match. I think I heard that as in, as was as was going by. Um, Jason Day, I don't know what's going on with him. He he seemed primed for things a few you know over the last couple of weeks, but just hasn't hasn't really fired. But maybe he's just. Maybe he's keeping the engine ticking over. So I still kind of have him there in the back of my head. And uh, yeah, Sergio. Um, Sergio's coming into the Masters. He's, you know, he's hitting the ball the really well. The two shots. I know, I, know that, I know that clearly all the focus was on a hole in one with Lee Westwood. But the way that he was playing that drivable par four, water all down the left, 
I think one of the days he hit three wood, and then the day I was watching, which would have been Saturday last 16, he hit driver to about three foot or four feet. It was, you just think, mm, Sergio. And we, we discussed his GIR numbers and his strokes gained approach T to green numbers last week on the research pod. They are spot on. The thing I also took, he didn't look nearly half as bad with the putter. No, he's clearly his lag, put, his lag putting. His lag putting looked very, very good at the match play from what I saw, and I watched quite a lot of it. Yeah, it's clearly a work in progress with his putting. You know, he's been trying these different styles and closing his eyes. Wasn't he using another grip last week or something, Barry? Or he'd gone back to a traditional putter grip. They said I'm talking about the physical grip, and he'd put a bit more loft on the actual blade of the putter. And he just—it seemed better to me. I mean, it can't—it couldn't get any worse. Yeah. But he—he he wasn't bleeding strokes on the greens. It, it looked from what I was. It looked reasonably comfortable, yeah. Which is probably uh, you know, which is epic for Sergio. Because his long game looked absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it and it has yeah. it has done for a while, and he's at that nice sweet spot of the odds as well. You know, there's a lot of the big names chewing up the, the low odds and what's... Uh, I'd have to pull it up here quickly, but he's probably 40, 50. He's 50 to 1, mate. That's a nice price for a major win, isn't it? I mean, with the way he's striking the ball, you you can see like he, he should be making the places. I've just got... A, uh... You hate, you hate, and this is one you always bring up for majors, isn't it? Age. He's 41. Mm. Yeah. But, but like DJ broke the model with the world number one yeah, thing. Yeah, so yeah, maybe yeah. maybe the model is completely broken now, Steve. Maybe that's it. Like it just needed, you know, the Roger, Roger Bannister four minute mile to be broken and that's it. It'll just. Well, the other thing is Augusta's so specialised, isn't it? And clearly Augusta is, uh, you know, Sergio's got confidence there. It's a course they all know and love. And we do see older guys playing well at the Masters, don't we? So maybe there's one major in America that does fall to someone that's above 40. It could yeah. be, could yeah, I could don't be know. Augusta National. Yeah, these guys are so fit, aren't they? And, mm. you know, the other way to look at it is you've got players like Sergio have just gone through that milestone birthday and you know it's potentially it works the other way potentially there's a you know a final lease of life for for you know the, the next few years for some players like that who, who find something else and really contend at the highest level and Lee, Lee Westwood's 47 yet he's been rubbing shoulders with some of the world's very best over the last few weeks and yeah, Ryder Cup to consider as well you know for this some, exactly. of, some of these guys the motivation levels over the next few weeks are going to be massive to, to go out and perform. And- you know, you're absolutely right. It, 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 look, it looks like it's still early. Victor Hovland's going to make it, yeah? And it could... I mean, Victor Perez is not going anywhere, is he? So, again, that's two spots locked up by young talent in, the te- in Team Europe. Players of the ilk of Garcia have got to get something going. It was in Danny Willett popped up last week. We haven't spoken about Danny Willett for this week. But Willett played nicely, didn't he? Um, he was in the top uh, top five, I think, greens in regulation. But we talk about good form incoming to the Masters, and if it if after you know the Monday after the Masters, and you looked at Garcia and you said, well, he finished sixth in Dubai, 
12th in Saudi, ninth, top 10 at the players, and was a quarter finalist at the world match play. That's not bad form, is it? No, no, it's not disastrous. Yeah, you know, and you, you know, I, I can point to the times that I've backed him during that period, and you know, it's been a letdown from a putting perspective. But Augusta's not a putting competition, and never has been. Plenty to ponder ahead of next week. Plenty to ponder. Plenty to ponder. Plenty to ponder. I think that's about it, then, gents. Anything else to add? Are you happy? No, no let's we'll save our voices for uh, for next week. Fantastic. Um, I hope the Valera Texas Open goes as well as it can do for you guys. I hope Harry Higgs wins. Yeah, um, best of luck. I hope someone shows some backbone on the Sunday. Please <laughs> show nice? some backbone on the Sunday. And we'll be back next week for the 2021 Masters Tournament podcast, which is always the highlight of my year. I can't wait. I hope everyone's bets goes well listening. We'll see you again next week. Goodbye. If you like betting on golf, but everyone that you back misses the cut, get some experts involved with all the stats and the tips and so much more. Cause it's the golf betting system, the golf.